As we prepare to hear the word of the Lord this morning, let's again go to him in prayer. Father, we are grateful that you invite us to gather and to worship you. <clears throat> we are grateful that you accept our, our praises, our prayers, and our offerings. We're grateful that you listen to us and care for us. And Father, we're grateful too that you speak to us. And we pray now that through your word in the scripture, and we pray that through my words as I proclaim from the scripture, that we would all hear you. And Lord, as always, we ask that you, that you remove any internal barriers, anything in our hearts or minds that would get in the way of us hearing you. And Lord, we pray too that you would take away any distractions or anything external to us that would, that would have us hear any voice but yours or have us not be able to pay attention. Lord, we desperately need to hear you speak to us. We need to hear of your comfort and your grace. And so we pray today that you open our ears and open our hearts. Amen. So we are in a difficult cultural moment, and, and every cultural moment has its own difficulties, but these days I think we're especially troubled in our current context with, with belonging and identity. Who are we? How do we figure out who we are, and, and how do we live, and, and who do we belong to, and how do we belong? And so the next few weeks through the kind of the middle of February, we're going to be we're going to be in a sermon series called, I Am Not My Own. And we're going to be reflecting from a number of different angles what it means that, that we have this, this blessing that we are not our own, but we belong body and soul to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that in kind of an unusual way. We're going to look at texts around the Ten Commandments, not so much the Ten Commandments themselves as the prologue to the commandments in Deuteronomy 5, what the Lord says to his people before he tells them how to live. So this is going to be a sermon series where we, where we wrestle with belonging and identity, and as part of that, where we wrestle with, with law and with how things are supposed to be. This morning's sermon is going to be a little bit unusual in that we're going to do a little bit more introduction than I might usually because this is the introduction to the series, and then we're going to come back and really focus on Deuteronomy 5, these verses over the next few weeks, along with a New Testament text every week. So this morning we're going to read Deuteronomy 5, 1 to 6, and then we'll turn over and read Romans 14, 7 to 9. You're welcome to grab a Bible from the bench in front of you and follow along, or to follow along on the screen. Hear now the word of the Lord, first from Deuteronomy 5. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up to the mountain. And he said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm going to have five points this morning, and I was very creative and unusual and decided they'd all start with the same letter. No pastor has ever done that before. Okay. Well, the first one is a concept, and I want to talk about elephant hearts 
and riders' minds. And you may remember a few weeks ago, if you were here, I asked us all not to think about elephants for a few seconds, and the rest of us, or all of us, spent the rest of the day thinking about elephants, right? Well, today I want you to think about elephants, all right? Bonus round. And I want you to picture yourself riding an elephant. Part of the advantage of this is you can picture it being warm. So it's warm outside and you're riding an elephant, okay? Now let's say you want the elephant to go that direction. Can you make the elephant go that direction? How big are you compared to an elephant? Pretty small, right? Now let's say the elephant wants to go that direction. Can you stop the elephant from going that direction? Probably not, right? And if the elephant wants to run away from a lion, you can't really do anything about it, right? The elephant's going to go where it's going to go. And if the elephant sees a banana tree over there and it wants bananas, it's going to go get the bananas and you're going to be along for the ride. Now, you might be able to kind of yell and smack the elephant and get it to pay attention if it wants water over there, but really, wherever the elephant leans, the rider's going to go, right? By and large, if you drop all of us on top of an elephant, we're going to go wherever the elephant wants to go. And we might pretend to ourselves that we're the one in charge, but anybody who would see us would know the elephant is the one running the show. So elephants and riders. And there's, there's at this point a very classic book from a few years ago by Jonathan Haidt called A Righteous Mind. And in that book, he develops this metaphor of a rider and an elephant. And, and he doesn't use quite these words, but, but he uses the elephant to talk about the human heart, to talk about who we are at the center of our being, to talk about, to talk about our deepest desires, what we really, really want. And then he says our minds, our, our rationality, our heads are more like a rider on the elephant. And the truth of the matter is that if our hearts want to go somewhere, our minds go along for the ride. There is some intuitive, emotional, heart, gut-level thing that when our elephants want to go this direction, our brains are going to go along with it. And if our elephants want to go this direction, then our brains are going to go along with that. And Jonathan Haidt is probably a little bit too deterministic, but, but he goes so far as to say our minds basically just agree with the elephant. Our, our minds, the rider is just there to justify whatever behavior the elephant wants to engage in. It's really the heart, not the mind, that drives us as human beings. Now, if you, if you take this from a different perspective, from a spiritual perspective, I think it's actually spot on with what the Bible and the Reformed Church has always said that really what drives us is our hearts. What drives us as people is, is those deep, deep desires that we can hardly express, that arise without our control, that are just, just expressive of who we are. And so, although preaching is directed to the mind in one sense, really what I want to do as a preacher, what we want to do as preachers and pastors is not speak to your mind so much as speak to your heart. Speak to the very center of your being and who you are. And we have this, this challenge that every part of humanity created by God and wonderful and amazing is also wrecked and spoiled and bent and twisted by sin. So our, our elephants and our riders often bring us in the wrong direction, point us toward things we don't want. And I spend a fair amount of time on this at the beginning because I think that's a helpful metaphor. And if you, think about, if you think about your life, how often is your brain in charge and how often is it really your heart, your desires that, that pull you in certain directions? And, and really, this is a sermon series for all of our metaphorical elephants. 
This is a sermon series for our hearts, maybe more than our minds. And every, every culture, every situation shapes our elephants in particular ways, and I think there are some particular deformities, some particular misshapings that our culture has, has affected and inflicted all of us with. And one of those is this claim, and I'm going to call it an elephant's claim, that I am my own. I am my own. Own. Now, I would guess if we took a poll of those of us who are here today and those of us who are live streaming, that, that most of us would say, no, I, I don't believe that. I know better. No, I don't know. But I would challenge you to get past that initial deflection and really reflect on, on what your life shows. What does your life have to say about how you relate to the Lord and to other people? And this is, this is not explicit in Deuteronomy, but it's right in the background. In, in Exodus, when Moses is up on Mount Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, same name, or different name, same place, when Moses is up on the mountain getting these instructions from the Lord about how the people are going to live with the Lord, the people are down in the camp at the base of the mountain, and they have forsaken the Lord, and they are partying it up. They are doing their own thing. They are declaring, we are our own, we make our own gods, we decide how to live, and what we're going to do is partay. And now 40 years later, after decades of wandering in the wilderness, we come back to Deuteronomy and Moses is again giving the people these instructions. And and what's in the background there, what's not stated but what would be on everyone's mind is, we've messed this up before. And last go-round, we did it our way. And that wasn't so great. Now, at one point this week, I was thinking to to work this out for us in in terms of money, sex, and power. And I think those are all ways that we claim we're our, we're our own. Maybe it's the getting of money, maybe it's the having of money, maybe it's the spending of money. But for so many of us, if we looked at, not our checkbooks anymore, but if we looked at our credit card statements, we might ask, do we really live as if our money belongs to the Lord or if it's our own? And if we look at how we think about and how we behave with, with sex, do we, do we behave as if sex is a gift from the Lord or, or do we act as if I can do whatever I want and I can be whoever I want and don't you dare tell me anything different? And if we look at power, if we look at the power that we have and that the people around us have, then, then how often do we really use our power for the good of others and to serve the Lord and how often are we in it for ourselves? But the real heart of all that, I think all those are actually symptoms And I think the real heart of our challenges these days is is our faith, our ultimate commitment, our our religion, or if if we're not religious, our lack thereof. I have a, a quote from Charles Taylor, who is a really, really significant Christian philosopher and theologian these days. I'm going to read you the quote, but he's a philosopher, so you might not understand it, so I'm going to read it and then translate it. It's in English, but i got to translate anyway. But this is what Charles Taylor says. For many people today, to set aside their own path in order to conform to some external authority just doesn't seem comprehensible as a form of spiritual life. And what Charles Taylor is saying is, I do me and you do you. And there's no way in the world that we would listen to somebody else, anybody else, tell us what to believe or how to form our spiritual lives. And I want you to think maybe about the people you've interacted with in the last week or the people you're likely to interact with this week. And if you talk to them and you said, hey, 
what, what really shapes what you believe? And if they were really deeply honest, how many of them do you think would say, I, I make my own path. I'm on my own journey. I listen to this and I listen to that and I listen to that and I listen to that and then I put together my own thing. And if I don't like what I believe, then I just change it. I kind of I keep making up my own thing. Now, most cultures in most times, people, people signed on to something. They said, okay, this is, this is what it is. I buy into it. I maybe not like it, but I'll buy into all of it. And, and these days, we don't do that. When it comes to our ultimate commitments, when it comes to our religion, when it comes, and I think this applies even to us as Christians, when it comes to our relationship with God, we don't think anybody else can tell us really what to believe or what to do. We are our own. And don't you dare tell me differently. All the world around us screams at us over and over again. You are your own. You belong to only you. You do you. And that sounds like good news, but I think it's actually a curse. And I want to invite you to think about that. To, to think about maybe, maybe what would it be like if we really were our own. And I think that would be a curse, not a blessing. This is bad news. And I know it doesn't sound like it, but if we are our own, then we are responsible for making ourselves over and over and over. There's a saying that goes back to an old movie director, you're only as good as your last picture. You're only as good as your last picture. And you probably can think of stars in Hollywood who the minute they had one bad, one bad picture, one bad movie, they were done. And now think about life on social media. And how many of us care about a picture that we posted five years ago? But how many of us are driven by the sense that, that I need to do the next thing? I need to get the next engagement. I need, I need the likes. I need the comments. I, I need the next thing because otherwise, who am I? And I know none of us would admit to that being true, but I'm talking to, I'm talking to our hearts now. In the privacy of your heart, how many of us desperately need that next post to be liked by more than the last post. And even if you're not on social media, we feel so much pressure these days to, to live up to the next thing, to, to get the next good review, to make the next sales mark, to, to keep our family looking good and to do the next thing. And, and we always, always, always have to be living up to the next thing because if we are not the social media influencer, if we are not the good parent, if we are not the employee of the month, if we are not a good person in our own eyes, if we are not those things, then who are we? And for so many people in our culture, the answer is, if I do not have that thing, I am nothing. And we are on this endless treadmill. If I do not have the next thing, if I do not have the next thing, if I do not have the next thing, I am nothing. We are only as good as our last picture, and, and there is always a principle of diminishing returns. And if we're going to put a spiritual diagnosis on that, the claim, I am my own, is a claim to salvation by works. It's submitting ourselves to a world that says, okay, you can be your own, but the only way that you can really express yourself as, as an individual is by getting other people to pay attention. And so then we have to scream louder and louder, and everyone else has to scream louder and louder. And if we are our own, then, then we have to be right, otherwise we're nothing. And so, so then our politics have to be right, and we can't stand anybody disagreeing with us. 
And then we have to get louder and louder to be heard, so we become more and more polarized because it's the angry voices that people listen to. And so our society is, is experiencing this curse that we're getting louder and louder and angrier and angrier and more and more uncertain and more and more polarized because we all think we belong to ourselves and, and so we can't connect. And that is our claim and our curse. And then the Lord comes to us, and He comes to us with this challenge with this challenge that we are not our own. We are not our own. And in a minute, we're going to get to the comfort of that, but I want to invite you to, to reflect on how, how your heart, how, how that elephant that you ride on responds to that. Do you like to hear you're not your own? Do you find that an encouragement, or do you find that utterly off-putting? How do you experience the claim of the Lord? And here in Deuteronomy 5, the text begins with, with the Lord saying, here are the laws and the decrees that you have to follow as my people. And what is your emotional, gut level, heart level response to that? Are you excited by hearing that you have to follow God's law? I'm going to guess most of us are like, well, okay, I'll do it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if, I really, if I'm really into that. We so often want things our own way. But as Moses reminds the people when they stood before God at Mount Horeb, at Mount Sinai, they were not in control. They were not in charge. It was obvious who the power was in that situation, and, and the people were scared of God as He proclaimed from the mountain. And it was clear that God had laws and decrees that, that the people belonged to Him, not to themselves. And I have to tell you, this is terribly inconvenient. All of us, all of us want things that are totally incompatible with belonging to God. All of us, because our hearts are broken and twisted, we want to live in a way and we want to be people who, who do not reflect the perfection, the holiness, the goodness of the Lord. And one of the things the Lord does is He comes to us and He says, no. He says to us, no. You do not do you. You do not get to be whoever you want to be and live however you want to live. That is not how reality is. We are not our own. And if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, take a foot and step on your toes for yourself because, because we should all feel this. And I'm going to guess, and I'm going to guess this because I did it myself this week, I'm going to guess we're all writing exception clauses for ourselves. Saying, everybody else in the sanctuary, yeah, 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 Pastor Matthew was talking to them. He ain't talking to me. No, 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 I'm, I'm not like that. But I think given the culture we live in, given this moment, given our own tendencies, I think all of us are living like this. All of us really do think our lives are our own to do with as we please. We do not really think, we do not really feel that God's law should shape our lives, should, de should determine our conduct, should tell us what to do and not do. But God, God comes to us with, with some hard words for us. 
He comes to us and says, no, you can't do it that way. You have to follow my laws and my decrees. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk in the coming weeks about God's law and what that means and, and some of the challenge and the good of that. And we're, we're going to talk about liberation and how God really does set us free. And, and we're going to talk about love and how, how love really impacts all this. But, but we need to begin here. We need to hear the hard news that, that all of us think we're an exception to, that all of us want to dodge, that, that the Lord does have a shape that He has designed for our lives, and, and our lives have to fit that shape, not vice versa. This is a, a challenge for us, and it's one that, that honestly I don't want to hear, and it's one that I suspect that you don't really want to hear. But it's one that we need to hear before we can get to our only comfort. And our only comfort is truly that I am not my own. And obviously today I'm talking and you're listening with your mind. And, and so I'm speaking to your rider rather than your elephant. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this gets through to our hearts. And one of the challenges here is that I can talk all day. I could talk for hours and hours and hours and hours, and I won't, but I could, and it wouldn't really make any difference. If you don't want to hear me, you're not going to hear me. And so what I am not saying is, now that I've explained this to you, change your mind and do whatever you want, what what I am saying is, be open to the work of the Lord. Be open to the work of the Lord and to God claiming you as His own and so reshaping what we want, reshaping us at our deepest level. And here in Deuteronomy, even here, just in the context of the Ten Commandments, what we might think of as as the law and judgment and all of that, and it's there. But even in this context, what we see is God's covenant law for His people. What we see here in Deuteronomy in the context of God's law is God coming and binding Himself to us. And we are hearing, as we listen to Deuteronomy, the Lord saying, you you aren't your own, you belong to me. And what the Lord is saying even more is that He belongs to us. He belongs to us. And without that truth, without that truth, we would be in terrible trouble. And Jesus, Jesus is, is the hinge that helps us to see how, how the Lord, yes, He demands that our lives have a certain shape, but in Jesus Christ, he, he takes on our burdens. He takes on our brokenness. He fulfills the law so that our life can have that certain shape. And in Jesus, we see the Lord saying, I am not my own, but I belong to you. And so you are not your own but you belong to me. And let's go back through Deuteronomy just quickly a minute and look at some of the ways that the Lord ties himself to us. And let's, let's go to the second slide there. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. And a covenant is it's more than a contract. It is an agreement that is legally binding, but it is also relationally binding. The Lord came and he tied himself to his people when he gave them the law. And then Moses says on on behalf of the Lord, it was not with our fathers the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. And when Moses is speaking these words in Deuteronomy, nobody, 
nobody was still alive who had been there at Mount Sinai, or hardly anybody, a couple people, I guess. So the Lord is saying that it is not, it is not in the distant past that I claimed you with my people. It is right now. And this is just as true for us as it was for them. It is not with our distant ancestors. It's not with the Old Testament people. It is with you and with me that the Lord has made a covenant that we belong to Him and He belongs to us. And when we gather and worship every week, every single week, this is a covenant renewal time. This is a time where the Lord comes to us and says, you are not your own, but you belong to me because I also belong to you. Let's go on to the next slide. And the Lord, the Lord speaks to us face to face out of the mountain, and that is frightening. But then there is this mediator, this in-between. And here it's Moses, but ultimately it's Jesus who, who comes and who speaks to us in a way that we can hear. And then the last slide. And God says, I am the Lord your God, the Lord of the universe. The Lord who made all things, the Lord who had no obligations to us, He says, I am the Lord your God. And Jesus comes to you today, not to your forefathers, not to your ancestors, not to the people around you only, but to you. And the Lord says to you, I am the Lord your God. I belong to you, and so you belong to me. And anything else, anything else that claims to give you meaning, any other identity you can find in this life is going to require you to keep working and working and working, to keep justifying yourself, to, to keep measuring up or to exceeding, exceed what you did before. It is only the Lord God, the God of Israel, the God of the God who comes to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord God. He is the only one who comes to us and says, no, you don't need to do anything else. You belong to me. You belong to me. And we hear that at the heart of Romans 14 when it says, whether we live or die, whether we live or die, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how good we have it in this life, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So I want to encourage you this week, today, to recognize with your head, but even more with your heart, that, that all the other identities that our culture calls us to, all the burdens that this particular moment puts on us, all, all the sense that, that we don't belong and we have to perform and we need to do all these things and we need to express ourselves, all of that can just go away. And the only voice we need to hear, the only like we need to get is the Lord God saying to us, whether you live or die, you belong to me. Christ, by his death and resurrection, shows that he belongs to us. I invite you to step into that and to accept the good news. I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. God belongs to us, and so we are not our own. Let's pray. Father, all of us want to be God. All of us want your throne. All of us want to belong to ourselves and define our own lives and shape our own identities.
And yet, Lord, we, we deep, deep down in our hearts know that that is, that is a road to emptiness. And so, Lord, we pray that today you renew all of our faith. Lord, help us to recognize that, that in Jesus we have a belonging and an identity that will never fade or fail. Lord, we pray that you speak to all of our minds, but even more deeply, speak to all of our hearts. Assure us, reassure us, show us, remind us that we belong to you, that we are not our own. And we pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.